So I think we're good. We are good. We are live. I think we are good and live enough. We're good. We're both alive. I have not checked your pulse today, so I can only assume you're alive. I think Iris may have gotten me. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. You'll get that reference by the end of this podcast, which is episode 14 of the Dungeon Bros Podcast. If you don't know me, I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. And we are not brothers. But nope. We do love D&D, and we live together. And uh, we have a cat who's, yep. who's being very cute and playing at my feet and probably going to start batting at it because she wants me to throw something. But it do be like that from time to time. It do be like that. It do be like It do be. Do be. It do be like that. Like the Doobie Brothers. So. Long train running. <laughs> sure it's a song yeah we played it a lot in high school in oh, uh, yeah. marching band oh yeah uh we have talked recently about running call of the nether deep yes and it's becoming it's slowly becoming a reality slowly uh but surely we, oh yes oh yes if uh if any of you out there have the wild map book i'm i'm going to be dming sam and some friends in the uh the hopper duke adventure in the near future uh, that's that that we will then lead into Call of the Nether Deep. I've been reading through very deep. We did we did a spoiler cast for Call of the Nether Deep already, but we made a point not to read too many of the details of the actual adventure, mm-hmm. um, just for avoiding spoilers for both us and the audience. Uh, we did read story. We did read the story overview, and we looked at the chapter structure, and we broke down a lot of stuff, uh, overarching themes and all that. But getting into the nitty gritty, it. It's a well-written adventure. <laughs> it is a well-written adventure, and I'm having a lot of fun trying to figure out how to incorporate, like, random-ass backstories. Ass like backstories. A, like a, uh, like, I don't know, maybe a, an anthropomorphized mushroom pet into yeah. the war, the lore of the world. Yeah, Goomba is great. story and backstories and all that. It's, it's an interesting challenge, and I'm... I'm, I'm very big fan. And we'll get some friends that uh, we've never played D&D with before, hopefully, ideally. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a group of us that are pretty core to our, our this table, this piece of wood. Um, Ooh, yeah, this wood. This, this wood. 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 Um, and then, yeah, you're bringing in a couple of new players, which yeah. is always exciting. Some coworkers. We, we may talk about it more in detail once we get into the, the nitty gritty, because I mm-hmm. think that'll be a fun campaign. Um, what isn't fun is just general day-to-day life. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. It is. It has been... I have been so busy. Just... Jester's trying to get us a drink. Ah. Of how... How... It, hey, hey. It's really unnecessary. You don't have to play in the loud... You don't have to play by the loud thing while we're trying to record audio. That's really rude. She takes after her father. That's you. I'm... I said what I said. <laughs> I said what I said for you said what good reason. You, uh, fair enough. Um, what was I saying? Day-to-day life. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the worst. worst. It's the worst. I hate I hate everything. It is just the worst. German sausage. I worked 11 days in a row. Yeah, that sucks. We had, yeah, it was less than ideal. But you've, you've been helping move someone into a new apartment. Yes, yes. That is that has been that has been a challenge, but also exciting. It's a very nice place. It's a nice loft. Yeah, very excited for her. But moving moving stuff is always tiresome. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It's it got to be done. It it's physical exercise. I'm something I am known for doing. Yes. My physical exercise. <laughs> we totally don't have a viral video specifically 
talking about, about how we we I don't us me specifically don't want to exercise. Yes. So it do from time to time be like that. Yeah. Now what this is all kind of leading to. One of my few solaces in this last two weeks since we last recorded was the release of the Gen Con event list yes. for Gen Con 2022, which is in Indianapolis in August. We will be going to Gen Con. Very, very excited. Yes. Um, there's, some, there's some events that are available. Um, as, I, as I texted both you and our friend Darren, who was on one of the episodes of the podcast as well, yeah. um, they're against it. Darren will be going with us. They're, they're both against the idea of the community dub that hentai. Um, I, I'm not against it. I'm wary of it. <laughs> I so we've never gone to. It's important to know we've never gone to Gen Con before. We've never gone to Gen Con. We're very and, excited. And so the, yeah, this is very new to us to go in and see all the. There is so many events, just so many, just so many. And and yes, the dubbed hentai. We we were talking about this. We don't know what to expect. Is this is this one of the hentai that is forty minutes long with ten minutes of sex and thirty minutes of other stuff because i feel like that is the kind of hentai that would be ideal for the social gathering of community comedy dub and drinking while every, while a group of like 200 people watch a hentai together yeah that's what makes the most sense to me logically but i'm afraid <laughs> i'm afraid it's going to be just like a compilation of like the 15 minute hentais that are like 30 seconds of lore followed by 15 minutes of just the most disgusting animation you've seen in your entire life. Yeah. Sweat drops. I'm kind kind of into both just for the sake of insanity. There we are. Now, here's a thought. Uh, What's What's her name? Not that kind. Okay. Um, But kind of in that way. (laughs) (laughs) This will be... If assuming we one of us goes or both of us go, this will be the uh, largest number of people that we've watched a porno with. I mean, speak for yourself. I will. That's still going to be the largest number of people I've watched a. How many people have you watched a porno with in one go? Two, including myself. <laughs> okay, so now uh, two hundred. I mean, it's to- a factor of ten. It's a factor of a hundred. A factor of ten because it's to the it's ten. You're adding a the ten adds a put because it's a multiple. Yeah, it's a and you said two, two yeah. to two hundred. Yeah, two to the two to the ten. Oh, two to the ten. Two to the ten to the power of ten. Yeah, which I think is two hundred. Right. Uh, I don't it, look. It's been very many years since I've taken a math class. My phone. My phone is record. Oh, hold on. We have computers. We literally. What is two to the power of ten? Two. Okay, Google. What is two, two to the power of ten? Oh, that's a thousand twenty-four. That's a little bit off. Two tenfold. Being ten times great. Okay. Well, that made me sad. Well, we so. we hope you enjoyed this math lesson with the Dungeon Bros. Yeah, we're going to stick to algebra from here on out. Also, I feel it's necessary to point out that uh, we have a bar cart. We do. <laughs> Not only do we have a bar cart, but the cat is playing in the bar cart. I, I feel like we've rambled enough. Right. We got we, we haven't even talked about what we're talking about today. No, the, we, we released a homebrew yeah, supplement. This, some might say this is a self-servicing episode. 
as we are going to just talk about the thing that we did. Yeah, um, they would be right, and frankly, uh, I don't care. Because we're this is cool. This is like one of the coolest things we've made. That's true. <laughs> I mean, the, I, yeah, I would go full stop, personally. Like, one of the coolest things I've made ever. Up to this point, we've made, you know, five five item free packs. So to go from that into a full, what, 31 page? 38. 38 page document. It's a, Just it's, full. Of it stuff. is a document. Capital D. Like this, 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 this is, this will one day be in the Library of Congress. <laughs> I mean, we are, we are American authors technically. Yeah. And someone's already bought it. Yeah, we've, get, we've sent out a bunch of free copies, but someone actually paid the five dollars for it, which is pretty sweet. Um, it is our enough of us freaking waffling about about it. You've read the title of the episode. It's yeah. our uh, Blood Magic supplement. We're gonna go through it, talk about it, maybe sell some people on it. Um, but we also have some news items that we need to get to as we oft do. Uh, it's the it is the weeks at the week after the weeks two weeks two weeks after the D and D direct yes so we're not awash with news as uh, as we have been in some weeks but oh the bean has joined us and she's stalking she's coked up out of her mind <laughs> yep all right okay there's two hair ties in there she's not. Jeez. All right. Go on. Yeah, lay down. Lay down. Lay down. Yeah. Take this opportunity to there answer the is. question uh, from Cambla for Storm. Uh, why is there a dice tray in the cat bed? Purely curious. Because she will not sleep in the cat bed unless nope. the dice tray is in it. Uh, she, when, when we brought her home, she had this lovely, comfy cat bed. And uh, she chose to lay in the dice tray and kind of claimed the dice tray as her bed. So to get her to sleep, or to get her to lay down in the bed... We have to put the dice tray in the bed. And also, it's just kind of appropriate that the cat that we live with um, will only sleep in a dice tray. Or now on the table. Or now on the table, because the hair ties are in the dice tray, and I think she wants to look at them and stalk them. Anyway, first The news. The news. First item of the day. Jeez, like 14 minutes in or something <laughs> stupid. First item of the day, uh, the recently revealed Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, it's the new starter set that they announced in the D&D Direct. We have confirmation that it is set to replace the Lost Minds of Fandelver from the original starter set. Dragons of Stormwreck Isle made waves at the new D&D Direct. The upcoming starter set is ready to spring onto the scene, aimed at attracting new players and new DMs. Uh, we know that it is supposedly a lot easier and a lot more newbie-friendly than the original starter set was. One of the big reveals of the D&D Direct was the nature of the starter set. You got to peek inside the kit, read... You can you know, the, you know the stuff. But in this following week, it seems, Wizards of the Coast has set out some tweets that kind of confirmed that the previous starter set adventure, Lost Minds of Fandelver, will just kind of be phased out. Mm -hmm. As uh, I, I assume they probably are not going to be producing any more copies of it like they do with no more runs of Lost Minds of Fandelver. Uh, it came from a tweet from uh, someone asking on their Twitter account when they announced. They just simply said that this will, over time, replace the original starter set. And uh, when they were asked in a follow-up, they said, of someone being sad that the original starter set is going to go, they said, stay tuned. We will have ways to keep the Lost Minds of Femdelver from being permanently lost. And then they added a winky face, very coy, of the Wizards of the Coast Twitter account. Now, 
I think I think we both kind of come to the same logical conclusion on this. That I mean, obviously, Dragons of Storm Isle was going to be the full-on replacement. D and D has significantly changed since 2014, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to change a lot again in the very near future. Looking at 5.5, um, so it makes sense that Dragons of Storm Isle is going to be a replacement. I think it's a bit strange that they're doing a new starter set now with this theoretical 5.5 being only a year and a half, two years away. Um, and the way that I, I see them, the way that I see them keeping Lost Minds of Fendelver from just being lost to the sands of D&D time is uh, obviously their new online medium for pushing D&D content. Yeah. Well, we know we do know that with uh, 5.5, they you know everything previously should be compatible, and I'm guessing that the uh, the whole idea of this new this newbie friend more newbie friendly uh, more DM friendly style of writing might be almost a test run at mm-hmm. seeing what they can start putting out. Um, adventure like adventure wise or how they want to how they kind of want to test run things for 5.5 like you said it's only a year a year and a half away and that is that is plenty of time uh to that is that is a lot of time that they need to start getting feedback on or else you know uh, they could just have written 5e over again by the time they get to 5.5 i mean so they really i i assume that there's going to be a lot more uas coming out here in the next year and a half a lot more um, things like that, and maybe even who knows? Maybe they'll even test out some like new mechanical ideas, and this might be a, a good first toe in the water for that. Yeah. Now, Lost Minds of Fandelver is probably going to go with, with their acquisition that we talked about of uh, D&D, Beyond, D&D Beyond. They are releasing monster compendiums as well as an intro adventure for Spelljammers before Spelljammers is released. So I would assume that this medium is the same medium that they're going to use to put. A, a copy of Lost Minds of Fandelver, which is not a, a large adventure by any means. No. Um, but it's one of the classics. It's the first. It's the original for 5th edition. So uh, there's a lot of nostalgia built up there, and it's good to see that it's it's not just going to, oh, you have to buy this old, outdated starter set to get it. Like It's, it's nice to know that they're just probably, likely, we don't know for sure, but likely they're just going to put it out for free like they are doing with a lot of other D&D supplemental content. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle is going to be, I believe they said 50 or $60? Uh, I think it was, I don't remember at this point. I think it was $50, and uh, they're going to release it exclusively in Target starting on July 31st of this year, and then later in October is when it is going to be released uh, across other Shopping, shopping centers. centers, shopping stores, shopping sure. online sites, and local game shops, and and the like. That's always an interesting thing to tell people. Is like, yeah, if you actually want like a decent amount of games and things like that, go, go to Target. Target. It's so weird. I mean, I, I guess either Hasbro has a contract or maybe some. I, they sort probably of they have. I mean, they have to. Right. Right. They have to. That's like the only the, logical explanation for this. And not that Target is actually. A bunch of wizards themselves. I think that Target is just three goblins stacked on top of each other's shoulders wearing a trench coat. <laughs> or three goblins stacked on top of each other wearing uh, a red building with a Target okay. on, their, on yeah, their forehead. That, uh, 
I think that tracks. That tracks. That tracks. That tracks. The goblins dressed up a little, make people go away from Walmart and pay a little more just to get a target. Of course. All right. Of course. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, next, D&D, the movie, Honor Among Thieves, which is set to come out March 3rd of 2023, was teased at the recent CinemaCon. Paramount displayed about 30 seconds of footage from the movie in their promotional reel. People have been comparing it to the production quality of a of uh, Marvel movies and similar superhero style movies, almost more like a fantasy Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Actors actors Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez have been seen on horseback in these clips, as well as I don't know this name, uh, Regie Jean Page could be seen wearing snazzy fantasy armor. Uh, one of N World's users was at the event OB One. That is, as the letter O, the letter B, and one, as his username, was able to give more details related to what he thought things were in a D&D sense, including creatures such as displacer beasts and, of course, dragons, uh, characters using magic weapons and casting spells like shield, and a possible view of the city of Waterdeep. All of this being indicative of a movie, unlike, recent, unlike others in recent memory, to be more closely tied to D&D. I think it's nice that they chose a D&D proper setting like the Forgotten Realms, um, something that people are more familiar with that is... I've, I've always just been worried of this Dungeons & Dragons movie because we didn't know anything. And is it like, is it going to be like a Stranger Things style, like they are literally playing D&D and this is what's happening? Because I think that, would be, that could be really cool and campy, um, but it seems like they're just going more the classical fantasy route. Which to me makes it seem a bit weird. I mean, obviously they're tagging on Dungeons and Dragons, the name for notoriety sure. and, and marketing. But this definitely, like, this could very easily just be called the Forgotten Realms Honor Among Thieves or Waterdeep Honor, wherever it specifically takes place. Um, one thing I will say, I love I lo- the idea of convention-exclusive things mm-hmm. is always nice, but I fucking hate when it is movies and TV shows that have exclusive trailers, and video games that have exclusive trailers at events, and then you just never see those yeah. until, like, months later for everyone else. That drives me up a fucking wall. If they're going to make a trailer, just put out the trailer. Just go the Marvel, just go like the freaking Comic-Con route of you can watch it in Hall H, the Marvel fucking trailers, and then that day, there's the HD quality upload that you can watch online. Yeah. That's all I'm going to, that's, that's what I will say about that. I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. Marvel, Marvel, the Marvel quality kind of makes me a little bit like, eh, some of the best fantasy that we've had recently is a little bit dark for yeah. Marvel. Uh, and it's been really good. I mean, it, it, say what you will about the last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones changed the game for fantasy. It really did, yeah. Just the visual style and storytelling. Um, it, may, it, it doesn't surprise me that they want to keep D&D maybe a bit lighter, a bit more Lord of the Rings dark instead of Game of Thrones dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I find the Guardians of the Galaxy, but with like fantasy armor, a bit of a weird... 
I don't I don't know how to visualize that. Which it, I'd be able to visualize if we just saw the fucking trailer. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll be able to see it here in a couple months, and we'll talk about this again. Uh, I it, it was pointed out in the article also that uh, it was it was people were excited because with. Uh, such things as the deplace this placer beast being in this trailer that's a pretty um heavily D D idea and uh, i think that idea specifically is is jolting people towards excitement with this movie yeah also it was pointed out that uh this movie can be shortened to uh d-a-d d-n-d honor uh Honor Among Thieves, H-A-T, Dad Hat. Okay, we're done with this topic now. Moving, moving on, on from Dad Hat. Just moving on. <laughs> Just moving on. Spelljammers has been confirmed from the D&D Direct, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been getting a lot of high-quality renders of upcoming Spelljammers minis. They are going full-on with Spelljammers. Freaking campaign setting, it's its own exclusive monster manual, an adventure book, its own line of minis. Like They're going hard into Spelljammers, which is awesome. Uh, one thing that people have slowly been pointing out is that amongst all of the renders of these very cool Spelljammers miniatures, have people have found two miniatures that are lurking among them from the Dark Sun setting. Specifically, you have the... Oh boy. You got this. The I believe in you. Suzerain. SS. It's two S's. Or the Surin. I guess. Sure. I'll go with Surin. Chad, uh, if you which know, is a classic don't tell dark, us. Yeah, really. <laughs> which is a classic Dark Sun monster. Uh, and although the one that they show is a far cry from the quote-unquote heavy-set lizard folk that are from the second edition Dark Sun days, it definitely fits all of the other descriptions being about seven foot tall, talon-toed, long-limbed, and all of that. Uh, the, Sus- the Surin. Jeez. The Surin are a complex people who thrive in what others consider harsh environments with rich religious traditions based around learning the skills to endure the blighted wastes of Athas. These nomadic lizard folk are unusually resilient to heat and fire, making them very good for Dark Sun. And uh, <laughs> the other miniature that we see is a Braxats, which are big rhinoceros people that can breathe like a cone of cold and who can blink, who can use uh, the blink spell at will. Um, they have other natural psionics to bolster their brute strength. Then they're kind of the classic antagonists in the Dark Sun. Uh, and they're oh, sorry, they're kind of your sort of they're your like classic antagonist-style carnivorous creature who love nothing more than just feasting upon the adventurers. And the first appearance of which was in the original Dark Sun campaign setting. Now. A lot of people have been speculating wildly about this. That as, as people are known to do. As the internet is often known to do. Yes. Now, is Dark Sun going to be in the Spelljammers campaign setting? Probably not. Would a Spelljammers campaign setting do right to offer a section on other realms that you can get to by going through the Spelljammer setting? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Spelljammers is just space fighting out in the Astral Sea. Yes. And as you know of the Astral Sea, you can get to all of the planes of existence through the Astral Sea. And they often reference the idea of multiple different material planes where you get your 
where you can get like your Critical Role Exandria and your Forgotten Realms and your Eberron mm-hmm. and your I guess now Strixhaven and you can get Dark Sun and 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 Spelljammers is in between. Um, but you can get to all of these different campaign settings through the Astral Sea. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, you could you could you have a blurb about Dark Sun mm-hmm. uh, and as one of the planes that you can go to by going through the Astral Sea with Spelljammers. Now, ultimately, I think they were just like, oh, we don't have these minis. And they look cool, and they're kind of appropriate for Spelljammers. See, I could also see them doing some, being like, "Oh, we're going to be cheeky and uh, just throw these little guys in here and see what the old what the old hands catch." Yeah. Um, and the old hands got it. Oh, the old, oh, these gender norms got hands. These gender norms got hands. Very good. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool. I, I like. I like. If it's a subtle reference, I enjoy a subtle reference. If it's indicative of a Dark Sun setting, I can say that anecdotally, whenever Wizards of the Coast is like, what campaign settings would you like us to be working on? On Twitter or something like that. You go into the comments and it's always like, Spelljammer, 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 Spelljammer. And then most often, second, or second most often, is Dark Sun, Dark Sun, Dark Sun, Mm -hmm. just all the way down. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But since we're on the topic of Spelljammer, Sam... Yes, Spelljammer. Beetle and Grimm has announced their silver and platinum editions for Spelljammers. Uh, Beetle and Grimm is known for taking D&D to the next level, and this is no exception for Spelljammer. They are selling massive box sets that include beautifully rendered battle maps and area maps that include key Spelljammer ships, pre-painted WizKids minis of key monsters and NPCs from Spelljammer, uh, physical in-game items such as handwritten invitations, clues, and even jewelry and artifacts that your players themselves can wear. Ooh. They also include encounter cards that fit over the included DM screen that show artwork to the player side and stats slash roleplay info on the DM side. Quick sidebar. Those are fucking awesome. <laughs> and I'm surprised that there isn't like a third party mass production product of just like, here's cool art of the thing that you're fighting that you can just hang over your DM screen that has the freaking that has the freaking stat block on it. Like, that's just awesome. And there's so many options for it across all of the modules that are already right. out. I know. Like, that, they could even just do a monster manual one. How, I, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Of course, this will include the announced books in softcover form and bonus encounters that take advantage of the unique setting and can be dropped in by the DM to expand the game. All of this will be wrapped up in a, quote, luxurious box. I've seen the I've seen the box. It, it can be more luxurious. It's fine. Uh, it's a box. The silver edition will include a number of these things, but at a lower price point. Um, it was I believe it was noted that the minis would be one of the things that were pretty much left out. I mean uh, that makes sense. The platinum edition will cost four hundred and ninety nine dollars, with uh, only a possibility of up to a thousand copies available. What? And the silver edition will be one hundred ninety five dollars. If you ordered two weeks ago, you were eligible for a ten percent discount. Oh, did you? I didn't. I didn't know these existed until you uh, emailed them <laughs> the information to me yesterday. Yeah. Yep. Whoa, hold on. We have a quote from the founder of Beetle and Grimm, who's Matthew Lilliard. Hmm? That's that's the live action Shaggy. Oh yeah, that's right. Fucking love that guy. How did I not know he was the founder of Beetle and Grimm? We don't know many things. Fucking um, starting oh, with math. So we are getting this. This episode is just a tangent of sidebars <laughs> so far. But um, obviously, these look beautiful. They are amazing. And as with most of Beetle and Grimm's uh, 
As with most of... Ow. She get you. Ooh, she got me. Ooh, she got you. I bleed. You know what? It's appropriate okay. for today's topic yeah, of the blood magic and hemocraft Ow. supplement that yep. Connor gets cut on camera. Yep. All right, we can we can round we can roll back the injury counter. Ow. <laughs> oh, it's exciting. We didn't have an injury counter up to this point. Well, now we need to, now we need one. Now we need one. What was I talking about? Norville Rogers. What? Shaggy's real name is Norville. No. <laughs> I I refuse to believe that. Mm. I need to trim her nails. Beetle and Grimm. <laughs> the founder. You you seem to be much more interested in Spelljammers than I am. Yes. I uh, I like the idea. You're, le- you're a little less uh, sci-fi than I am. I am I've never been a big sci-fi guy in general. You're struggling, man. I know. I've never... <laughs> I'm tired. I'm really tired. I've never been a big uh, sci-fi guy myself. Like, I respect a Star Wars. I've seen some Star Trek. It's fine. It's not really my aesthetic. I've always been more of a high fantasy guy myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord of the Rings is my shit, as we have... As anyone that listens to this podcast is well aware. Yes. Um, if, if we just do the math here. If we just do the math. This will include the three books, mm-hmm. the campaign setting, the monster manual, and the adventure module. Assuming that those are all roughly the same as they would normally cost, right. like 60 a piece, you got 180 there. If you get the silver edition, you get a bunch of extra stuff for not a lot of money. Yeah. And if we go even a step further to the platinum edition, the maps, the, the minis, the handouts, the, 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 the jewelry, all this, all this sort of extra stuff. I feel like if you were to piecemeal it out, you're paying about the same, if not a little bit more, to piecemeal out a lot of this stuff. Possibly. So as a big fan of sci-fi and spell jammers, I'm surprised that you were, you're, you don't see, are you, are you interested in getting one of these? I'm not. Um, and we've kind of talked about this before on the podcast where all of this stuff isn't necessary to play D D. It's cool, but you know, we have a menagerie of minis. We have battle maps. You know, we you know, if if we really wanted to play a spell jammer game, I'd probably get a star one and I'd probably get a, a spaceship one. But I wouldn't go, you know, I don't I don't have the five hundred well, okay. I do have the five hundred dollars to spend. I don't but want to spend it that's when I have all of this stuff already available to us, especially yeah. since I've got a homebrew game. We play in our buddy Darren's homebrew game. You're getting ready to do another deep game. I play in uh, uh, our buddy Salem's uh, Star Wars D&D game. Mm-hmm. Like, this wouldn't get run for a while. And at that point, who knows what I'll, what I'll be interested in, in using from that. That's fair. That's that's more than reasonable. If you are, if you are hell-bent on running a Spelljammers campaign um, and you're going to get all three of the books, highly recommend looking at the Silver Edition. Uh, obviously, the Platinum Edition is very limited. It's probably already sold out at this point. I'd imagine so. But the uh, the Silver Edition, highly, I would I would highly recommend just based on the normal price of D and D books and the extras that you get. I think it just makes sense if you're really going to run a Spelljammers game. If you want all the stuff, if you want the stuff, if you want the stuff, if you don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. Beelinger makes good stuff. They'll they'll make something for you eventually. All right, now time for a wrap up. 
recently we found out of a D&D campaign that's been going on for 40 years. It's a long time. Since 1982. It is uh, Robert Wardhall. You can go to uh, Wired or uh, you can go to Wired to watch uh, the latest episode of Wired's Obsessed series, which profiles this guy. But 40 years running in the same game. It's a homebrew setting. Runs D&D homebrew rules that have evolved slowly out of AD&D first edition. A lot of cool stuff. I hope to one day be this man. <laughs> next item in the roundup. <laughs> next, next item up. I- Critical next. Role and, Col- and Stephen Colbert join forces once again for Red Nose Day. This was the fourth year that Stephen Colbert has participated in CR's Red Nose Day fundraiser, bringing, all, bringing his all this year, showing up to set with the actual sword included, in, uh, including the uh, Lord of the Rings Sting. That was so cool! As within the past, fans have voted on key components of Steven's campaign, but this time Steven was joined by Sam Regal, Ashley Johnson, and Marisha Ray. Together, CR and uh, Colbert have raised over uh, about $790,000 in the past three Red Nose Days. Which is pretty sweet. Uh, Red Nose Day is a charity that uh, works to end childhood poverty. Yep. Uh, Red Nose Day and Comic Relief USA Senior Vice President of the Fundraising and Development, Lauren Spitzer, says that this is one of their most unique fundraisers, but... It may not stay that way, as the organization hopes to reach a broader and younger audience through gaming, both tabletop and electronic, including esports, in order to support the 30 to 40 charities a year that Red Nose Day donates to to help break the cycle of child poverty and related issues such as homelessness. Red Nose Day is technically a month-long drive, and if you still want to support it, you can buy a Red Nose prosthesis at Walmart for a dollar through May 26. Yep. It's a great charity. It's a great one shot. They're very, they're very watchable. They're like both of them are less. One, the first one's less than an hour. Mm-hmm. And the second one's like an hour twenty. Like it's very watchable. Stephen Colbert, notorious nerd. Notorious Joy to nerd. behold. I watched. I've watched both of the one shots from a couple years ago and this one. And when he brought out this, when he brought out actual Sting and actual Underreal Flame of the West, and just fucking laid it down on the table it was it was like uh, we like, geeked out the cast geeked uh, out i want papa want you're not at that level of human to get papa want though what's our next news item our next and final news item of the day is Cinematic Adventures. Evil Genius Games has announced their Cinematic Adventures which is going to bring popular movie franchises to life using a derivation of the D&D rule set. Uh, they're using the Everyday Heroes, which is sort of a reboot of D20 Modern that uses D&D 5th edition rules as kind of the base and then grows off of that. Um, they're going to be taking some fairly popular movies, I say strained a little bit, uh, Pacific Rim, Kong Skull Island, Highlander, Escape from New York, The Crow, Total Recall, Rambo, and Universal Soldier. Each of the movies will receive a 100-page cinematic adventure containing a campaign adventure and new rules specific to that world for each of the movies. Now, we already have a lot of TTRPGs. We do. And I'm sure that there are some big... King Kong fans or some big Total Recall fans or Rambo mm-hmm. fans. I feel like the niche here is getting just way too Wh- whittled small. down. It's really getting whittled, whittled down. down hardcore. 
if you're into it, you're into it. If you like the Everyday Heroes rule sets, um, it's one that's been used for other games that I'm failing to think of at the moment, but I digress. <laughs> um, how about it? Not for me. How about it? If you so desire. So we've been going for about a half hour. That's actually pretty good for us on our I, news items. I kind of, I, I feel like that's all right. I feel like that's all right. But we've got Hemocraft and Blood Magic, a D&D 5e supplement of our own design. Written by Connor Bright and Samuel Holcomb. That's us! Yay! Yay! We've sold one already, too. And we've given away, like, 50. 50. And I think, like, 14 of them have been redeemed so far. Several people on our TikTok and our Discord have entered in a contest to win copies of it, and from the few people that we have given to them outside as well um, that have talked to us about it, it seems to be well-received. Um, if you want to take a look at it, it is $4.99 on DriveThruRPG, but you can also get a free preview pack of it that includes one of the magic items, one of the stat blocks that's included, additional... You are so unnecessary, cat. Additional options for one of the magic items, as well as a new spell and a new feat that are in the same sort of flavor and vein. Mm -hmm. So very excited. We're just gonna we're just gonna go through. We're, we're just gonna, gonna run it down. We're just gonna run it down. The first the first page is a very important note to the players. Uh, Sam, you have a friend. Yes, um, one of my friends is uh, a, a <laughs> Sam. You have a friend. I have a friend. <laughs> I have a friend. Everybody, take singular. note. Very singular. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, my friend, uh, she is, she works in mental health ca uh, counseling, and when we were going through this, we're kind of realizing, hey, there's a lot of talk of um, self-harm self -harm and, and things like that, um, and we just, you know, to be a little community-minded, uh, we were like, hey, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, if you could just write something up and give us some resources uh, for those who maybe get this or have friends who are, are struggling with uh, mental yeah. health issues at this time. Uh, um, National Suicide Hotline, 800-273-8255. It's 24-7 call and chat available through their website, as well as the crisis text line at 741-741. Uh, individual states may have their own crisis services that can be found by searching for suicide resources in any popular web search engine. Uh, very nice of her. Uh, I'm glad that we thought of that because <laughs> there's there's a lot there's a lot of evil evil and also um, a lot of a lot of bad things. Yeah, <laughs> the supplement's great, but there's a lot of it's it's a little bit darker side of D and D or shit. darker side of like fantasy. So uh, Kylie and Kara, Kara, want to give want to give thanks to them. We also want to give thanks to uh, some friends of ours that helped with editing as well as contributing. Uh, contributor uh, Michaela, you may know her on TikTok. Mick Mick makes magic. She's a cosplayer. She created a cosplay of a vampire character called Iris that she has allowed us to use for. Uh, one of the blood gods that we have. Special thanks to our friend Darren. He's been on the podcast before. He contributed uh, one of his original characters that died in a previous campaign of ours. That was a blood hunter from Matt Mercer's uh, blood hunter class. Mm -hmm. I almost blanked. I thought it was a subclass <laughs> for a second. Jeez. Uh, he was also a content editor, and our friend Salem, who we play with as well, was a content editor and helped us out with a lot of our 
Death stupid Death spelling Death and, and grammar mistakes. <laughs> really. And then, of course, there's uh, the uncredited photo people um, from so Splash.com and uh, the fine folks at homebrewery.com. Yes, we want to thank them. In the first section, Hemocraft and Blood Magic, we talk about kind of what Blood Magic is for us, the idea of using your own life force to fuel magical abilities. And the main way we wanted to do this by was by make way, at least for me, and I've talked about this before. You have I've been excited when actual D and D books have mechanics that start to lean into this is using hit dice for something other than regaining hit points on a short rest. Yeah. They're so esoteric and so, uh, limitedly used before, you know, uh, I think ever, or, uh, here, uh, Heroes of Kryn, the Heroes yes, of Kryn UA. Heroes we of Kryn, saw the UA Dragonlance. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, so yes. But um, we have five subclasses in here that every single one of them, their features are built around the use of hit dice and taking damage to gain a benefit. Um, the the two core rules that we use are. If it is a short-term benefit, you are rolling the hit dice and you are taking necrotic damage that cannot be reduced. Uh, you're taking half of the roll rounded up. Mm -hmm. If it is a longer-term effect that will last basically more than a combat encounter, then you will be roll the roll the die and take that entire roll as necrotic damage that cannot be reduced to fuel these effects going forward. And we also... It, it, just some lore. Next is the Blood Gods and Idols. We have four Blood Gods... Um, the first one I'm going to get in, should we do these in alphabetical order? I kind of want to do them in order of what interests me. <laughs> sure. Let's do them in order they interest you. The lore was a lot more on your side in this, yes. in this instance. Um, so yeah, let's go with the, whatever order you find most pleasurable. So first I'm going to go with Lilith, the Crimson Temptress, who is kind of based a little bit on that idea of, um, oh, hold on. It'll come to me. You got this. It'll come to me. Do you want to play word association? The uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Heathen Cal God. Calypso? Calypso. It was based a little bit on the idea of Calypso combined with the idea that using blood magic to make yourself seem more alluring and attractive to draw people in. Mm -hmm. And sort of that Calypso idea of taking a man's heart and twisting it and then using it for her own personal power and gain. Uh, Lilith being, no one really knows her true form because it kind of takes the, sh the visage of whatever is most attractive to kind of lure people in, uh, be they, be she uh, someone who works in a brothel to lure in men. I, one of the examples I put was a, uh, a bank owner who would send out loans to, would find rich people and get them into loans and try and help and build up that relationship to lure them in and set the, it. Kind of the opposite of a Harry Potter boggart. Kinda. Kind of the opposite of a boggart. Um, for all of these, we include a lore as well as a description of what they look like, at least what we think they would look like, as well as divine domains. Uh, for example, Lilith's clerics would be granted powers of the forge, nature, and tempest for subclasses that would be more associated with her. And uh, paladins would swear oaths of the crown, conquest, glory, and redemption in her name. Um, She's the one that I have that is the shortest, that I yes. have the least thought out. She was one of the last ones that I kind of came up with, um, but I just that 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 feeling of calypso, and that just drawing people in because that's that's one thing that I, w I was trying to focus a little bit on was that idea of like the vampiric glamour, or like the kind of like Twilight <laughs> with the sparkly <laughs> and drawing people in, but not so cringe, <laughs> basically. 
Um, the next one, ah, man. Okay, I'm not doing these in the order that I like, but I'm doing these in the order that I think makes the most sense. Okay. I'm going to talk about Visago. Okay. Visago is one of, is probably my favorite of the four. Uh, the idea of the celestial that was fighting for in a long forgotten war between gods and demons and all of this stuff and gets damaged on the battlefield to the point that his wings are torn asunder and he's just wandering the lands kind of losing his mind slowly over time thinking that one day his god will come back down and collect him and heal him and save his soul only for that never to happen um the 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 art that we found for it is freaking gnarly. It's we've got a, yeah. we've got some uh, celestial like fallen celestial stat blocks at the at the end of the bestiary, which is just amazing, and I love him. Uh, a creation of our friend Michaela uh, from Mick Mix Magic on TikTok. Uh, we have some links to her. Iris the Mad Countess, which is a vampire that was just kind of a person. A person who was collected from just a small farming village, and she was supposed to be fed to and become the thrall of another vampire, but just slowly morphed and grew her own power, and doesn't really get how to vampire quite right. Um, she's amazing, and Michaela gave us some beautiful cosplay pictures for our use in this. Oh, yeah. Which is just amazing. one of the best. I think one of the best pieces of art that we have in here. The two, the two, the two pages in this supplement that I think look the nicest are the page about Iris and the page about Visago. Mm -hmm. Those are beautiful, and our chunkiest. Jester, you're in the freaking bar cart again. Get out. You don't need to be in that. We need to talk about your alcohol consumption problems, Jester. Jester you have you have a problem. We can get you counseling. It's okay. The chunkiest one. The chunkiest one. The one that comes up honestly the most in, in later bits. In late in later in later sections. Ostrom. Ostrom. Uh Ostrom the Unbloodied. This is the idea of a blood god that when when people see visions of him and they and they the people that have so supposedly met him see just kind of if you've watched um Moon Knight, kind of your Ethan Hawke like cult leader, mm -hmm. um, and like flowing white hair and beautiful body and all of this, but he's actually this warped flesh body out in the celestial sea that's just trying to draw in the life force of creatures, and how it does it is through this amazing thing. If you've seen Harry Potter, specifically Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, if you're going to be an asshole about it, I'll be an asshole about it. Very good. The one way that Professor Quirrell stays alive with Voldemort's Horcrux in him is by drinking the blood of a unicorn. And the blood of a unicorn is this chrome metal liquid. And the way that Ostrom does this is getting followers and the classic blood sacrifice rituals, giving, like, slitting people's throat, like, making them bleed in his honor, and eventually his most devout followers that he chooses, he wants to imbue some of his own power into. The ritual that they undergo is called the unbloodied ritual, which is you find a human sacrifice that is close to you or someone of importance, and you kill them, use their blood to fuel the ritual along with your own, to the point that you are basically bloodletting everything out of you. 
until you either die and become not worthy, or you are chosen worthy by Ostrom and your blood begins to, and your blood begins to flow a chrome silver. And the way we reflect that mechanically is a lot of the drawbacks associated with blood magic that are we use mechanically in the bestiary later. The unbloodied creatures don't suffer, or they have special benefits on top of. Like, for example, you use hit dice to fuel a lot of your things. One of the unbloodied features that you can use is your hit dice is always a d12 for the purposes of, like, dealing out additional damage and mm -hmm. such. Ostrom is the most thought-out one that we have, and he's awesome. And I think that's the one that I would actually use in a campaign as like a big uh, BBEG kind of cult. Yeah. It's awesome. We, uh, we were looking into trying to get some actual commissioned art for um, our, our cover page. It ended up not, not happening, but that was, one, that was what we really wanted was Ostrom, just this visage, this huge... Um, sort of uh, like, like, a, like, a, like a... Bloody a, ethereum. It's of, so... Oh. Ooh. Ooh, the idea of just you've become so devoted to blood magic that you literally no longer have blood in the conventional sense and how like because oh, oh and even like the description of like our skin tone get out of here you're gonna be you're gonna be like a little bitch go away where are you even like getting at? there's nothing even here for you there's nothing in here for you <laughs> She disagrees. We need to drink more and clear that thing out. <laughs> so we keep buying more alcohol. But the idea that like your skin tone is like reddish and orange because your blood is flowing through it. Mm -hmm. And what if that blood wasn't red and now it's chrome and what that would like physically change your appearance and all that kind of. Oh, it's just I love it. I love it. The next time that I make a cult, it's going to be that. <laughs> Just straight up. Now we're going to get into the subclasses. Subclasses. We have five of them. You have five. You want to start with the barbarian? Sure. I'll start with the barbarian. We have the path of the bloodthirsty. The idea here that your rage is now, you know, is running through your veins that it is enough to affect other people. You can, your rage doesn't just control you. It controls others. Um, do you want to go through each? Should we go through each of the we'll things, quick, or just go? Okay, we'll do a quick, quick overview. A quick overview. I, let, let's not get let's not get into the the, yeah. the feature specific. So basically, you're adding you're by rolling hit dice and taking damage, you can add effects to your attacks while you are raging. Uh, it's a table of effects that later you get to like roll twice on and pick which one, and then later you get to specifically pick each individual one, and then uh, you can also. Uh, you can also choose to like that roll on the hit dice also deals out additional damage so it's kind of like a mini smite because the barbarian is the only d12 hit dice class Naturally, so yeah. when when they're rolling a hit dice to deal extra damage it's gonna it's a freaking d12 and it's gonna it could could be chonky fuck you up <laughs> it could fuck you up in addition to causing the blinded condition deafened it could subtract a con modifier from they must subtract your con mod from all the attacks that it makes until your, stir your turn. You could be poisoned. You could be knocked prone. You could have a reduction in damage from attacks from your opponent. The blood rage table, especially when you get to higher levels, mm -hmm. is going to really impact strategically even the battlefield because there's it's 
kind of hard for non-caster classes to get access to sort of basic status effects that just kind of change the tenor of combat a little bit. Yeah, it is, or they're very, very limited, like one or two a day. But this, we were trying to be like, all right, you choose how much you want to push yourself and, and how how you think that you can uh, uh, change the tide of the battle as opposed to just dealing damage and, and yeah. taking it. Um, and along those lines, the 10th level feature is you're literally rolling your hit dice to heal your allies on a short rest. And if you do that, you gain a plus one to your rage damage bonus the next time you rage. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to get the barbarian a little bit away from just run up, hit, run up, hit. Now you can be a little more strategic. I'm going to run up and hit. They're going to, it's going to deal a little bit extra damage. I'll poison them so it's harder for them to hit me. I'm going to knock them prone so that my fighter buddy is going to get all three of his attacks at advantage, like that kind of stuff. Um, and then the highest level ability is a reaction, sort of a protection thing, where you can cause the effects from a blood from the blood rage table as a reaction when you get attacked. Yeah, Talk with, the, with saves, of course. With saves, uh, you know, a little bit in uh, like when we were thinking about this, this was actually one of the first classes that we had a lot of a lot of back and forth on. Yeah, this was one. Of, this was a contentious one for sure. Because there's, there, it was so easy to. You know, if we did it a little, if we did it a little this way, it'd be just too overpowered. If we did it this way, there's no use to use the effect. Exactly. So I think we changed it three or four times before we uh, finally landed on this. And, and we definitely reached a point where the blood magic table has a column for uh, temporary effects that last until the beginning of your next turn, and then when you take a higher cost, you get the effect to last for a minute and mm -hmm. they get to save at the end of each of their turns, sort of a thing. So. Yeah. Next up, we have the monk, which is the way of punishment. Uh, this is this is the one that I think we developed the last. Yeah, um, and it, it kind of turned out really, really. It, it turned out cool, nice. and I liked yeah. it. The core uh, the core feature they have is their third level blood augmentation, which is using hit dice to give themselves a physical augmentation to benefit them in some way, but also having a drawback. These include you gain a flying speed of 15 feet, but you have disadvantage on dex saves. Or you could increase your dexterity score by 3 to a maximum of 23, but you get a minus 2 penalty to your wisdom score at the same time. All of these effects last for an hour. All of these effects last for an hour. You get the same thing for wisdom, a plus 3 for a minus 2 on dexterity, you gain or you can gain advantage on charisma checks, but you start your combat with the surprise condition. You gain advantage on intelligence checks, but you have disadvantage on wisdom checks. You gain dark... Benefit, drawback. Benefit, drawback. You can use hit dice to activate them. They last for an hour. Yeah, this is one of those that not a lot of things in D&D 5e have to have a benefit, you have a drawback. But the way... Woo! The, uh, the way that these are done is that they are at low levels strong enough that um, they wouldn't normally have access to them yet. Exactly. So the, but and the drawbacks aren't as, you know, aren't like the the berserker barbarian or the yeah berserker yes. barbarians frenzied rage where they have to take a whole level of exhaustion, which, which is, is a, a lot. It's a lot for a again it a system. It, a, it makes it a once a day feature for something that's just adding a t an attack as a bonus action. Yeah, and in a system that doesn't emphasize benefit for drawback. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously there's going to be people that are like, well, what if you roll an 18 on your dexterity and then at level 3 you've got a 21 dexterity? It's like, yeah, you're also probably going to have like a 12 wisdom now. And you're going to be taking that damage you're from be the taking roll. taking damage to activate it. It only lasts for an hour at a time. You can only benefit from one augmentation at a time, etc. 
Uh, level six, you get the blood punch, which is basically you roll your hit dice and you take damage. This damage also reduces your maximum hit points, and for an hour, your unarmed strikes have a 15-foot range. So you can flavor this as, like, your body unnaturally extending to increase your range. You could make it, like, shooting, like, air blasts at someone you could do like spectral arms that show however you want to flavor it mm -hmm. uh, they also have a secondary sixth level feature which is just a conversion rate from hit dice to key points and vice versa so you can expect you can go one to one for free or you can go one to one for hit dice to key points you can spend two key points to regain a hit dice and if you spend a hit dice and you take the damage of the roll as necrotic damage then you regain three key points so sort of a, just, just a way to not feel like, oh, these, like, you can, you can that, get one. That's one of the biggest drawbacks that, uh, uh, or not drawbacks, but that's one of the biggest complaints we hear from the D&D community when it comes to monks is a lot of people are not happy with the amount of key points that are provided in the core rules. And so this is a, a different way to look at that because there's not another class, subclass, that doesn't exchange rate. Yeah. Uh, also, at level 11, you get the Clotting Pulse, which is a buff to Stunning Strike by taking hit dice damage. Instead of stunning someone, you would paralyze them. That's chonky. Which, I don't know if you've looked at the paralyzed condition, but that shit is hardcore. You bas basically, it is the ultimate debuff. Stunning Strike is very annoying. Paralyze is... Paralyzing Strike is exceptionally annoying. Um... Thankfully, you have to take damage to yeah. do it. Um, you get to you choose. You have to declare your use of it before the target makes the roll to resist it as well. But the way what we're thinking of is between your blood augmentations and these features, being able to customize your monk a little bit. So you're like, I want to be the monk that's got the 15 foot punching range, and I'm hitting everything as hard as I possibly can, and I'm dealing out a stunning strike and all that. You can get your buff to dexterity, and then you're not as good as stunning strike. Or you can want to—you might want to dive all into this clotting pulse and get the plus three to your wisdom to make the DC higher to resist being paralyzed. And then you're getting advantage on all of these attacks in addition to everyone in your party. And then finally, the 17th level feature—you spend five key points to enter your fully unlocked potential. While in the state, you double your martial arts die whenever you make an attack, and the second die always deals necrotic damage. The state is very taxing on your body, so to maintain it going forward at the end of your turn, you have to roll a hit dice and take damage. Basically, you're just straight up doubling the damage die of all of your attacks. Which, at a 17th level for a monk, that's you're going to assume a minimum of four attacks around. So... Um, in, in my mind's eye, I am seeing a scenario where they activate a blood augmentation to give themselves, let's make it a 23 dexterity and be conservative, like a 15 wisdom with that, with that penalty. Jester, you are just, you are just being such a fucking piece of shit right now. <laughs> You're dealing between your two base attacks and a flurry of blows. You're dealing, what, eight of your martial arts damage die, you're getting an additional plus one to all of the damage, all the damage of all of those attacks, maybe a plus two if you have an odd number on your dexterity score, which is a bit strange, but whatever. Uh, it, it, we, it might on its face seem like a bit much, but also it's 17th level. Yeah. I would argue that clotting pulse is a bit more <laughs> than that. 
but it's 11th level. And I want to I want to point out to anyone that might be like, ooh, that's way too overpowered for 11th level. Most campaigns stop at like 10, 11, 12, 13. So calm down. Next, you've got the Oath of Bloodshed. The Oath of Bloodshed Paladin. Um, we had to do a paladin one. That you just always, made sense. You, you must. Um, so the actually, this is going to be one of the first ones where we include uh, a spell table. Yes. So adding a couple of spells. Um, we'll get to the spell section later, but we have a couple spells that are specific to the supplement for the paladin. It's aneurysm burst, which is probably probably my favorite one. And then also uh, bound in blood, which we which was one of my creations. Um, the rest of them, we do have. We we would like to point out that the we do have to abide by the open gaming license, uh, which from is a, the coast. which is a which is a pain in the butt. Uh, specifically, some spells are called different things. Yeah, like it's not Evard's black tentacles in the OGL. It's black, black tentacles. tentacles. Um, Hex, the classic warlock spell. Not, not in the, it. Not in the OGL. So I would have loved to give this paladin hex, but we couldn't. So yeah, we we had to choose, and we did. I think we did all right choosing some spells for each of the next three subclasses that fit along the lines. Yeah. Um, so the first one of the uh, uh, third level uh, abilities, of course, is going to be your channel divinity. Now you can coat your weapon in uh, divine energy or necrotic energy and uh, deal more damage with it, increasing that damage when you level up. Um, your other one is to uh, when you you uh, as a reaction when you're hit with a melee attack, uh, you can move to that attack to another creature within range. Yep. So basically, you're just get, giving yourself a passive damage buff to your attacks or. Mm-hmm. A slightly defensive thing. Uh, next is the Kang Smite, which basically takes your Smite from uh, Radiant to Necrotic. Yeah. Um, additionally, when you roll damage, you can expend a hit dice to um, re-roll any number of Smite damage dice. Uh, of course, the 7th level Paladin feature is going to be an Aura. Ours is the Aura of Bleeding. Uh, when you hit this level, creatures within 10 feet of you have disadvantage on Constitution saving throws while you are conscious. Oh, yeah. Always, always good. Always good when you're when you're going after that backline enemy spellcaster. <laughs> and especially since all, if you had a, uh, if you had five, uh, five blood magic classes, that would be very strong because a lot of them lot use of the con saves. A lot of con saves. Um, of course, that that range increases to thirty feet at eighteenth level. Then at fifteenth level, the adrenaline spike. You know your body well enough that when you roll a maximum number on a damage die, you can roll that die again and add that result to your damage. In other systems, this is called exploding. Yes. So if you have a D8 and you roll an eight on the hit dice or on the die, you can roll it again. And if it's an eight again, you can roll it again. So let's say you rolled an eight, an eight, and a five in order, you would get the full 21 damage of all three of those die added together, which is not, uh, which is not likely to happen. No. But you also have to remember that with your red-handed channel divinity, you've got. Uh, well, right, the die increases. Never mind. But basically, the more <laughs> die you roll, the more chances you have to increase that roll. Exactly. Uh, and finally, the top level, the 20th level, is Sanguine Savior. Um, so as an action, you can enter this state and you gain the following benefits. When you hit with a melee weapon attack, you can spend a hit die to do a smite. Uh, when you do, you roll and take necrotic damage. And 
you can activate your red hand ability without expending a use of your channel divinity. Uh, when you do so, you have a, uh, depending on what you roll, that's what level of spite you, smite you hit. So for example, you would use an action, you could spend a hit die, you automatically get your red handed if feature, so you can use your channel divinity for the reaction defensive ability. And if say on your hit die roll, you rolled a six, you'd be doing a third level smite. If you rolled a seven or an eight, a fourth level, nine to 10. So the level of spell slot you are theoretically using for the smite is determined by how much damage you take from your hit die roll. Additionally, there's a bonus action where you can spend a spell level to regain that number of hit die, allowing you to use your abilities more. Because the way you, the way I'm thinking of it, how are you thinking of it? I think you, you, you're in this form. You're making two attacks a turn, two hit dice, two hit dice, two hit. Like you're just throwing out these hit dice smiting on every single attack and maybe you get lucky and it's like a fifth level smite and a fourth level smite and a fifth level smite and a third level smite and it's like oh man you start taking a lot of damage you run out of hit dice it's you can use a spell slot you can use a spell slot to heal yourself you can use a spell slot to get more hit dice back next up we have the vampiric soul sorcerer uh expanded spell list in the the this is the one spell list that I don't think we included any of our personal I think you're correct. additional ones. You are correct. Um, the Vampiric Soul, obviously, uh, the sorcerer that has vampire curse in their bloodline. Uh, they have a blood focus, which is an ability that lets them use hit dice to effectively mark a target and deal additional damage to that target. And Similar tar to Hex. Similar to Hex. Instead of a disadvantage on an ability check, it does take uh, reduce to 10 feet of their speed. Uh, then you've got Blood Exchange at level 6, which is very similar to the uh, Monk, where you can you have an exchange rate of hit dice to sorcery points and vice versa. Uh, Vampiric, or sorry, Crimson Glamour, where you can spend a hit die, roll it, taking the necrotic damage. It also reduces your maximum hit points by a similar amount, but it lasts for one hour, and you gain advantage on all charisma checks made to interact with creatures with blood. So adding that idea of that vampiric glamour and allure being more advantageous when you're interacting with other people that have blood. Vampiric Sight. This one is the one that I, I'm jazzed about, and this was the ability that made me think of what, what class to make this with. Um, Basically, you consume at least a half an ounce of a creature's blood. If you drink the, if you consume the blood, you can cast Scrying on them without expending a spell slot. Also, when you do this, you can choose to expend a hit die and take the roll as necrotic damage. And while you are Scrying on them, you gain the benefits of the Detect Thoughts spell. The sorcerer, not known for their utility. Yeah. Figured we should add a little utility. And then their capstone, 18th level, which is their vampire transformation. It lasts for an hour. You get a flying speed. You get a bonus action melee spell attack that you can use that deals 3d10 necrotic and restores hit points. Classic vampire. Classic vampire. And finally... The Crimson. You, you, you know we had to have a Warlock. Of course, this, this supplement just lends itself to a Warlock. Uh, again, we have our expanded spell list, which I believe has one... Two. Uh, Two of our, I was going to count one, two, uh, include uh, Boil Blood and Bridled Ego in the spell list. the fourth level spell, Black Tentacles. It's a Vard's Black Tentacles. It's a Vard's Black Tentacles. If, if you're like, where's Black Tentacles? It's not by the bees in the PHP. No, it's a Vard's Black Tentacles. They take the names off of all the spells. Yep. Um, the first level is Blood Curse, uh, in which it's basically a hex, another one of the hexing effects. Um, kind of hex meets uh, Hunter's Mark. Hunter's Mark meets hex, meets Hexblade's Curse meets like 
I feel I feel like this has got a little bit of it's got a little bit of mutagen vibe from the Blood Hunter from yeah. Mercer too. It's kind of a very vibey. So yeah, you choose a target uh, and you curse that uh, and you. You gain a bonus damage rolls against your cursed target equal to your charisma mod. You also gain an advantage on checks to track them. um, And you gain advantage on intimidation checks against them. Uh, You can choose to magnify your effects uh, by taking the necrotic damage, as we have previously stated. Um, And there is a list of effects you can choose from uh, the target takes a penalty to their attack roll. The target... Uh, speed is lowered um they has an ability check has a penalty to for based on your charisma mod uh and things like that target deals half damage Res- you get to you get to remove a resistance or turn an immunity into a resistance that kind of stuff uh you get you get this ability once for free per short or long rest and if you want to use it again unlike hexblade's curse as a warlock that i'm currently playing a hexblade warlock in darren's game only being able to use being able to use Hexblade's Curse on one creature once in one combat at a time until is, you get to like tenth or fourteenth level is pretty high. Is a bit annoying. So you get one for free, and if you want to use it again, you can simply roll a hit die, take damage, wrap uh, half half of the roll. You know, the same spiel as always. Roll the hit die, half the damage, rounded up, necrotic damage, and you can do it again. I think that was one of our big focus in game design here was whatever your cool thing is, we want you to use your cool thing. Use the cool thing, please. Uh, This also triggers invocations that target uh, a creature that is under a curse or hexing effect. So it'll trigger your um, relentless hex. It'll trigger your your, the other one that like causes psychic damage. Yeah, those ones. (laughs) You can. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next, the sixth level feature is Born in Blood. You regain all of your hit tie on a short rest prior to healing. Yep, very easy. Number 10, 10th uh, level, Improve Blood Curse. Uh, when you curse a target, they have disadvantage on all saving throws against your Warlock spells. Very simple. And 14th level is the Deadly Blood Curse. When you curse a creature with your Blood Curse, the target must make a Constitution saving throw. Uh, and if they fail... Uh, you roll necrotic damage. You deal necrotic damage to the target, and additionally, um, you can enhance that blood curse without using your own hit die. So basically, what the deadly blood curse is doing is it's forcing the creature to roll one of their own hit die and take that damage to give you the benefit of the blood curse. Basically, extorting them for their, extorting their life force for your blood magic instead of your own life force. Uh, we've got some additional uh, a, pact, a pact boon pact boon? I will start with, which is One. your... Yes, the blood letter. Um, I will say with this, I really wanted to basically make it a like a nasty, rusty scalpel. It kind of changed because the way we were, uh, it was originally written, it ended up being too close to the book, it was the basi- tome. It was basically the pact of the tome, but different. Yeah. So instead, uh, I kind of changed it more towards uh, like a... Like a um, plague doctor sort of idea where you can use uh, uh you can use it to make two different types of potion either a um potion of leeches which when you consume it does 1d6 plus your charisma mod healing and or a poison of nettles which when consumed does 1d6 plus your charisma mod poison of da- uh, poison damage and basically you can make two of one or one of each 
at the end of each long rest and use them before your next long rest. Yep. Uh, the potions of nettle can also be used to tip ammunition. A mm -hmm. uh, number of pieces of ammunition equal to your charisma modifier, which also then de- er, Oh, sorry. You can tip a number of pieces of ammunition equal to your proficiency bonus, and they end those pieces of ammunition ha add poison damage equal to your charisma modifier on a hit. So your ranger will benefit from this. Your your freaking anyone with, an, with a bow. Your fighter with, with a bow. bow. Your fighter with a bow. Your, your freaking crossbow rogue will like this, probably. Just a couple, of, a couple, a little bit of extra damage on a couple of Because otherwise, you're not going to get an enemy to just consume your poison willy-nilly. It, it's, hard, it's hard to drink poison. <laughs> uh, we've got some Eldritch Invocations. Three of them are specific to the Blood Letter. Two of them basically buff the two types of potions. Sam? Yeah, uh, so the Bleeding Alchemist is the up direct upgrade. All uh, packed boons have a direct upgrade invocation. And this one, uh, basically, when you create the potion, you can either apply a curse effect, um, giving causing it to do blinded, deafened, or poisoned. Or when you do the po potion of leeches, you can have it uh, cure the falling, blinded, deafened, or poisoned. Yeah, basically a little bit better healing. And if you get a creature to actually drink it, then they get a condition applied to it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also the bloodletting apothecary, which makes you immune to poison and disease, and you can, can and you can cast protection from poison once per day without expending a spell slot. The doctor of humors, where you gain prof uh, proficiency or double proficiency if you are already proficient in medicine. Additionally, you can cast the Detect Poison and Disease at will without expending a spell slot or material components. Then, the two that don't require the Pact Boon are Piercing Hex as a bonus action. Sharpened Bones eject out of the body of a hexed target, striking everything within five feet of the target. Creatures within range take 1d4 piercing damage and have disadvantage on their next attack roll. As well as Metacostal Armor, where your ribcage, like extends out of your body and forms like a protective carapace which increases your ac by an amount equal to your charisma modifier on top of your current armor additionally when you are grappled restrained or hit with an unarmed attack you deal your charisma modifier in slashing damage uh, DM, gm's discretion for non-humanoids because grappled and restrained it can get a little bit weird wonky um yeah the armor the armor lasts for 10 minutes once you use this ability, you cannot use it again until you complete a long or short rest. Uh, the Metacostal Armor is kind of that idea of, if you watched Naruto, the original run, the Sasuke Retrieval arc, there's the Sound Ninja that, that basically kidnaps Sasuke and help him get back to Orochimaru. And one of them is Kimimaro, who uses bones, like his own bones as weapons. And, and that's kind of the idea. I wish that I had thought of a good idea for like a fighter subclass that you just used your bones and like injected it out of your body and stuff. You can always do a Blood and Hemocraft Supplement 2.0. That is true. That is true. Look for that in the future. Next, we got the spell book. There's 13 spells. We're not going to go through all of them. No. We're gonna um, we're gonna go some do some highlights. We'll just go back and forth. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call aneurysm burst. It's, okay. First of all, it's a fucking cool name. It's a second level evocation spell. They make a con save. They take 2d4 psychic damage, and you can apply one of the following effects. Blinded, deafened, or stunned until the end of their next turn, or your next turn, depending on the effect, or you can make them fall prone, yada, yada, yada. I just think it's a cool name. It's a cool The name. idea of you're just causing their blood to just like coagulate and then pop blood vessels in their brain is an image. <laughs> Scares Archer. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's one of his three greatest fears. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I'll go next. Uh, one of uh, one of my favorites is Bound in Blood. It's mm. that idea of uh, of making a blood oath or a blood pact, and those are what the two different effects are called: blood oath or blood pact. Um, the blood oath. Uh, having uh, two willing creatures be bound in kinship to where they can see through um, lies and uh, illusions of each other and also have some benefits kind of like the ceremony spell yeah. to where they gain, you know, they can't be, uh, uh, they can be automatically stabilized uh, when they hit zero hit points and things like that. The other being the blood pact where you have two uh, uh, willing creatures that are bound in honor and if either of them breaks a deal, the other one, whatever the deal is, the other one knows immediately that they've broken it and can choose to drop it into the zero hit points immediately. Which is hardcore. It's a fifth level spell. It takes an hour to cast, so it's not going to be a combat thing, but damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll each pick one more and then we'll do Sounds a, good. a review. Uh, Life Breach. Which is a third level enchantment spell. It's a touch spell. Ba- I, I consider it basically a direct upgrade to inflict wounds. Um, they, if you you choose a target within five feet of you, force them to make a con save. They take 66 necrotic. And if they fail to save by five or more, they gain a point of exhaustion. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> when you cast when you upcast it as well um, at certain higher levels... If you cast it with a seven spell slot or higher, the exa- the exhaustion effect applies to anyone that failed to save. I, the way I imagine it is just like you, like reach your hand into someone's body and just grab and rip, is how I imagine this happening. <laughs> Kamehameha. Yeah, basically. Uh, my last one will be the Crimson Marionette. Mm. Um, this one, you choose a target and make a constitution saving throw. If they fail, they now have... You choose a creature for which they have disadvantage on attack rolls against. So, additionally, you may choose to use reaction to force your target to move their attack to a different creature within range. Mm. Um so if you don't want somebody, if you have that frontline fighter, or if they're, your enemy is really near your wizard who's holding concentration, all right, now you have disadvantage on that, uh, you know, attack rolls against that. And if they do manage to hit, all right, my reaction, my one reaction, move it to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Very useful. Um, we've got a couple cantrips in there that are useful. That's kind of like a, kind of like a, one of them's kind of like a, a uh, like a shillelagh style thing one of them is just sort of a, a generic ranged spell attack um you've got some cool reaction spells we love a good reaction, love spell. reaction spell uh the forced coagulation which is like a dexterity version of was it enfeeblement enfeeblement so enfeeblement half damage on dexterity based attacks instead of as you're like forcing someone's blood to coagulate inside them which is gnarly and there are two summoning spells the summon lesser blood demon and the summon greater blood demon which we have stat blocks for at the back mm-hmm. of the book not book it's a supplement it's digital it's no book <laughs> if you want to print it then it'll be a book but please have at it uh next we got magic items let's do the same thing let's each pick one all right obviously we have a generic sort of you regain hit dice item Yes. Gotta have that. I'll go first. The go. marrow bow. You love have, a bow. I have I have spoken at length about the lack of magical bows. There's the oath bow. And then the plus one, plus two, and plus three bow. And that's it. 
That's it. That's all. The marrow bow is a weapon that's carved or adorned with bones, however you want to make it look. Uh, basically, what you're doing when you declare an attack with the marrow bow, you can spend a hit die and roll it, take the necrotic damage, equal half, roll, round it up, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill at this point. The piece of ammunition will then deal an additional 3d6 damage of your choice between fire, cold, and lightning. After the attack hits, or if the attack misses, the ammunition, ammunition loses the magic you imbued with it. Basically a way for a non-blood magic based class to get a little access to blood magic. And I'm imagining like as you draw the bow, like you're running your finger along something and it's like pricking your finger and getting the blood on the ammunition and then it kind of imbues it with fire or lightning or cold or something like that. Uh, it's rare, requires attunement. Very good. I'm going to go with the blood wine. Uh, so this is kind of a uh, deep... Oh, I love that one. It's so cool. Um <laughs> A deep crimson drink that is viscous and vaguely has a vaguely metallic taste. It's probably just a Merlot, right? I mean, I'm, I love them. I love a Merlot. You don't drink wine. I don't. Um, <laughs> but this, this, uh, when you drink it, it takes ten minutes to consume a charge, and by doing so, you gain a small aspect of vampirism. Um, whether it's resistance to necrotic damage, uh, advantage on percep or persuasion checks, regaining HP at the start of every turn, or being automatically stabilized when you hit zero. Um, all useful things. All useful things. We've also included a tainted version. A popular choice of uh, Iris the Mad Countess, as we talked about previously, the creation of Michaela. Uh, Iris loves to have dinner parties and serve the tainted wine for her victims to like, kind of just fuck with them. <laughs> uh, I would like to also make a note before we move on of a magic item called the, oops, called the Book of Silvered Blood. Ooh, so the one legendary item we the have. One legendary item. I'm not going to say too much, but it does relate to the blood rituals and to Ostrom. Ostrom. Very cool. Uh, the last one I will talk about is the curse mark. Again, you may have recognized my inspiration for some of this stuff, especially if you heard earlier me talking about Naruto. Uh, the curse mark it is a various rarity item. Uh, you can activate it. Once you become attuned, you can use a bonus action to activate your marking for up to one hour. And once you once it is activated, you cannot activate it again. Blah blah blah. You can when you get the curse mark, you choose which form it takes, and then that's the one you get. You have power, which is very rarely rare. You add a plus four to your strength ability up to a maximum of twenty four, but you reduce your current and max hit points by an amount equal to your level. Same thing for dexterity, called agile. Elusive, you gain an additional thirty feet to your speed, and you can use your reaction to take the dodge action if a hostile creature is within five feet of you. After one hour, your speed is halved until you finish a long rest. Uh, after one hour for the previous two, you also, your maximum HP returns to normal, but your current HP does not. Pulse, as a bonus action on each of your turns, including the turn that the curse is activated, you cause an arcane pulse to emanate from your body. All creatures with blood must succeed a DC 16 constitution saving throw. Taking chronic damage equal to two rolls of your hit dice. After one hour, you gain a point of exhaustion and cannot heal from hit dice until you finish a long rest. Sight is rare, you gain true sight out to a range of 60 feet. After an hour, you become blinded until you are healed of the blinded condition or you finish a long rest. <sighs> there are also some uncommon and common variants of this that are included in the preview pack of the Blood Magic Supplement, which I think are also very cool. Those ones do not have drawbacks because they are of a lower rarity, um, but they also have much lesser benefits. <laughs> All right, cool. Next, we got feats. Feats. I'm not, I'm not a feat guy, but I'm a feats guy. Indeed. You know what I mean. Indeed. We have. Did, we did five of these. Pretty standard five. Yep. Uh, six. 
Did we do six? We did six. We did six. Look at us. I know, right? Wow. So uh, if you have Tasha's, you're going to recognize two of them as uh, your, like, fey touched or your shadow-touched shadow style thing, which are born in blood and touched from beyond, where you get a plus one to intelligence, wisdom, charisma, you gain a free spell, and you get to pick another spell, blah, blah, blah. Minor Glamour, which is kind of like benefits to charisma abilities, increases your charisma by one. Life Siphon, which is like you can, you have, you're able to use your hit dice to deal extra necrotic damage and then regain some of the, that damage as hit points. You can use it only a set number of times per day. Arcane, Arcane Overcharge, or do you want to? Sure. Uh, Arcane Overcharge, you can now use your hit die to cast spells um, instead of your spell slots if you wish. And all, uh, we've previously uh, uh, featured that in other packs. Yes, that, um, was, that was one of the hints that we did like two months ago. And then Sanguine Strike, uh, when you can take, you can choose to take um, damage from your roll of your hit die, and in return you can max out your weapon's damage die. Now a note that we have there is that it is specifically the weapon, so you can't like use the, you can't get this feat as a paladin and then max out your smites. But we like to add, we have a little description box where if you have, say, a magical sword that deals 2d6 additional fire damage, that 2d6 is maxed. So that would be a 12 additional fire damage if you use this feat. That sword may or may not. It's not in the OGL, so we couldn't say it. Yeah, it may or may not be a flame tongue. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about it here. We yeah, it was a flame tongue. We couldn't put it in the packet, though. Uh, this next section is entirely Sam's baby, and it yes. is beautiful. Um, I will talk. I will, I will say the game design of it a little bit. Originally, because there are no rituals, but rituals in D&D are just ritual spells. You sit down for one hour plus the whatever, and you cast this whatever spell, and it happens. There's never a draw. There's no drawback. In fact, there's a benefit. You don't have to screw. There's no long-lasting effect. It's just a spell. It's not like character changing. Exactly. And um, the blood ritual is like one of the most iconic things in fantasy folklore and somewhat even you know the real world. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted to reflect in the blood rituals. Um, each ritual requires a a cost of time, a cost of uh, of components that are. Um, um, physical objects that might represent what's going on. Uh, they were some require locations specific to Ostrom or or things Love like Ostrom. that. Love Ostrom. Love Ostrom. And of course, blood. Um, very important thing to note about this is that when these spells, these rituals are done, these are permanent decreases to maximum hit points of characters and or NPCs. Permanent. Permanent. Very permanent. Very permanent. And as such, um, they do require sentient creatures. So uh, that's kind of the, the you know, we wanted to dive a little bit into there and grab like, okay, these are powerful enough. If you have an evil character who's willing to go out there, take a uh, take three commoners and sacrifice them in order to get a boon. That's kind of where these lie. Yeah, it's... Y the moment you undertake these as characters, you're pushing the boundaries of what is considered neutral, let alone good. Yeah. There, so there are a couple different... Um, uh, 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 categories. The first one being power, uh, and it has three subcategories. Being the heart category, being the first, and this is going to be, you take 
uh, a little bit of uh, maximum HP from whether it's yourself or other people, and you can gain um, proficiencies or saving throw proficiencies or even a plus one to an ability score if you sacrifice enough HP, again, yours or someone else's, um, that can be performed multiple times. This is the simplest and the lowest level and probably like... This is the gateway drug. This is the... Yeah, sure, I'll allow you to do, like, some just heathen sacrifice of, like, a horse or something for this <laughs> kind of thing. Um, the next one is the mind. Uh, and this one... This one starts to get into the little bit of that... Uh, these aren't simple. These these are complicated and could have some backfiring or just fail. Um, but basically, this one is going to allow you to gain the first level features of another class. Basically, soft multi-classing without soft having to commit a class level. Mm -hmm. So, if you wanted to grab um, like a second wind ability, is that a first level for a fighter? What's action one? surges? Action surge. Is it? Or is action we, surge? We don't level? play fighters. <laughs> I think it's second wind is the first level, and action surge is the second level. Yeah. So, if you wanted to grab like the action surge, second wind, second wind, <laughs> or if you it's late, it's late. Um, but that is a possibility for this. Again, that's going to be a lot higher of a blood cost. And finally, um, the the soul, uh, the, uh, the soul ritual from the powers. Uh, if they are successful at this, um, their hit die is bumped up to a D12. And at the beginning of each of their turns, when they have less than half their maximum hit points, they regain 1d12 plus their gone mod. Um, Basically passive, always on regeneration once you get hurt. And their maximum hit points cannot be decreased in any way. Again, that one is much more... This is, is uh, part of the... This is basically the uh, unbloodying process. They're part of the unbloodying This process. is mechanizing that ritual yeah. in the lore. And if you, are, if you undergo this and... The, the fate of the dice is on your side and you do this you get a d12 to fuel all of the blood magic features that you have be they a feat be they features from one of the subclasses and you no longer have to worry about your hip your maximum hit points being reduced by the more powerful abilities that you have from your subclasses or various feats anymore and all the passive regeneration of health is going to let you more freely use all of them because you know you're going to get a d12 plus your con mod HP back. So if the damage you're taking is a d12 and then you're healing a d12 plus your con mod, just generally you're going to catch up with the damage that you're taking mm -hmm. to fuel your own effects. And, um, and Connor, you might ask, what what's stopping me, a first level character, from doing this? <laughs> and that's the roll of the die. A D100, uh, a, a, you know, there's a possibility that your character will straight up die yep. if they're not high enough level. Or even if they are high enough also, level. Also, if you've undergone the previous two, you do get to roll that with advantage. <laughs> Jeez. And the roll plus their current character level, if the, if the roll plus their current level is less than 75, dead straight out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Period. No death saves. No nothing. Dead. D-E-D. -E dead. And they can't be revivified either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you need a wish spell as Ostrom refused the ritual outright. 
they're gone. They're gone. They're not getting them back. They succeed. They immediately gain four levels of exhaustion. <laughs> like, this is not something you want to do, like, right before a freaking combat encounter. It no. takes three days. Like, it... If you're a level one character and you successfully complete this ritual, impressive. <laughs> Very impressive. And you're probably going to die anyway. Um, next section is the unlife section. Uh, these can be pretty easily broken down into three levels. Kind of that first one is basically a zombie. You've, you've, you've raised them from the dead, but now they're an undead creature. And they're going to be viewed as regard evil regardless of their actual alignment. They're, they are going to get a benefit of um, uh, getting a reduction to physical damage by their proficiency bonus, and they get to add a plus one to their con score, Yeah. but they can no longer regain hit points by spells or potions unless their spells or potions are specifically designed for undead creatures. Yep. Uh, the other one's sort of like a pseudo undeath thing. Like a revenant almost. A revenant style, or if you have wild mount, the uh, supernatural gift mm -hmm. in wild mount, which is like a, the hollow one, sort of like you're between life and death sort of vibe. Uh, and then the last one is just uh, vampiric augmentation. Yeah. More pure vampire than even the, uh, than the um, vampiric soul sorcerer. Yep. So you gain, you gain vampire you can gain a thrall you get some vitality which is just passive healing you gain the bite the vampire's bite feature that kind of stuff the last section is the summoning rituals because of course that's a classic Woo! cut myself and find a buddy yep. um also the spells the spells <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but these are more powerful more permanent than the two uh other spells the spells are very temporary yes these ones allow you to the lesser one allows you to summon a lesser demon basically and then try CR5 to five or less CR5 or less and try to uh, basically win over or dominate that creature in order for them to serve you or the like or be subjugated by yeah dominated yeah uh, uh, greater summoning which is a higher level more difficult version of that basically yep and then uh, that one does come with the risk of you just unleashed a demon into the city so cool <laughs> And the finally, the final one is called Avatar Summoning, which does not actually have any mechanics in it. No mechanics. This is basically the DMs. All right, you're fighting God now. <laughs> That's, this is this is the like. Okay, I'm making the B, the BBEG. We're gonna make him. I don't, I don't know. Take a Lich stat block and just freaking times ten it. Yeah. You're like, yep, they're summoning Ostrom, and this is how they're doing it. They're doing an avatar summoning. Well, what's the mechanics of that? I don't know. It's up to you. It's up to you, GM. Up to you entirely. That's more of a, 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 a that's just a means to an end for a DM more than anything. And finally, is there's a creating blood rituals, which should go through blood location cost and the backlash possibilities, and just kind of gives the GM uh, a a carte blanche to do what they want with blood summoning. Sort of how uh, how we li laid out the methodology. Now, one of the bits for that, the cost, obviously you need blood, but also you might need an interesting item or strange item, or as we like to put it, a creepy item. And we made a D20 table of some like creepy trinkets that you can roll. You could just give these to players. I think some of them are freaking sweet. They're so cool. A couple of the, a couple standouts, the ones that I really like. Uh, there's the book whose contents change every time you read. Uh, the 
the small patch of coins not made in any known country and are not of a known metal type of anything ever in the world like any creature any any creature regardless in the world has no clue what the fuck they are <laughs> and uh, where is it Oh, where is it? Oh, this one's just funny. A terribly written novel whose yeah. plot seems to match the events that have happened in your life. Yes. <laughs> to that point. I think that's hilarious. great. They're just fun. They're just fun. They're fun. And at long last, we come to the last section, the bestiary. We don't want to get too into it because some of these stat blocks are... Chonk. Very chonk. Uh, it's divided into four creature types. We have celestials, fiends, humanoids, and undead. Uh, the Celestials, we have a Fallen Deva, a Fallen Planetar, and a stat block for Visago, the Fallen Solar, uh, is a modified version of all three of those stat blocks that are in the OGL. Um, we have the Fiend section, which is the Pura Pura, and the Sanguium, which are the two that you can summon through the spells included in the earlier section. Yep. Uh, then you have the Humanoids, which are uh, two just kind of generic blood cultists. Uh, a blood cultist and a blood priest, as well as three that are specific to Ostrom and his cult, which is called, I don't think we ever addressed that, it's called the Silver Star cult, yes. and the, or the Ostrom Argentum. Uh, so you have a Silver Star fanatic, which is sort of a specific version of a cultist for that organization, as well as the Unbloodied Hex Warrior and the Unbloodied Apostle. The Unbloodied Apostle being a very, very, very powerful high-level spellcaster, and the Unbloodied Hex Warrior is sort of your Hexblade Warlock style, blood magic style thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it, I don't think I've ever seen a D&D &D stat block of official release that has packed magic. So I made one. There you go. Uh, this section also includes Garen Avernwile, the cult hunter, which again, of uh, our friend Garen, uh, Darren. Garen. <laughs> Garen. Uh, the creation of Darren for our homebrew game got killed, but now is being immortalized yes. in our book. Uh, and then the undead. We have the shadowless body, which you would summon through the use of the bridled ego spell, which is a reaction spell. Uh, the bloater, which is Sam's blowing up zombie, <laughs> which is awesome. And your stat blocks for Iris, the mad countess, which was made in conjunction with Michaela, as well as Iris's thrall, which is just sort of her vampiric thrall. It's a little bit different from the regular ones. These stat blocks are, some of these are very chonk. Uh, we also have uh, sections on customizing existing stat blocks and how to flavor current stat blocks you have for blood magic. Um, for example, we have a list of some special features such as Crimson Sight, uh, Desperate Protection, which is sort of a using a hit die to reroll a saving throw, Protective Carapace, which is similar to the Metacostal Armor from the Warlock, which is just a fancy way to use shield without a spell slot. Uh, we give a uh, basic version of Sanguine Strike Feet, the Sanguine Strike Feet, as well as uh, Vampiric Allure, which is uh, disadvantage on charisma checks against the creature sort of a thing. Uh, also Blood Glamour, we have a section on if if you're, if this stat, if this NPC, whatever, the stat block is being used with the purpose of alluring and gaining an upper hand sort of you're more manipulative it might just be easier to give them like a 24 charisma yeah <laughs> and proficiency in deception or persuasion or performance uh also we talk about like 
flavoring certain actions as blood magic, like the idea of the legendary resistance just being your blood magic flaring up in you to resist an effect, or the legendary action being you you like you exude like red steam and then you're able to quicken your attacks to do an additional one outside of your turn, sort of a thing. Um, let's each pick a stat block. All right. It's a little loud. All right. I know where I'm going. I picked one. <laughs> All right. You go first. Visago the Fallen Solar. <laughs> it's fucking you, awesome. You, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this one. Um, it is the Solar stat block with many a changes. He's got legendary actions. He can make a weapon attack with his Divine Retribution, which is uh, the sword that he wields, which... <laughs> 46 plus 8 plus 68 necrotic. You can make two of those around, or two of those a turn. Uh, he also has a marrow bow, which is cool. Um, if the target, <laughs> if, if the target that he hits is a creature with 100 hit points or fewer, it must succeed a DC 15 saving throw or immediately die. It also he can also create a uh, flying sword by releasing his uh, divine retribution, and then it'll hover near him, and he can use a bonus action to cause it to fly and make an attack. He has a draining touch, which is similar to healing. He deals out necrotic damage and takes some of that back as healing. Um, he's got some innate spell casting, which includes our beloved aneurysm burst. Uh, he has the sanguine strike. He's resistant to magic. He Im always knows if you're telling a lie. He has, he has the protective carapace reaction. Um, He's got a blinding gaze where, because Visago has been damaged beyond recognition from his time in war, he doesn't have wings. Um, that is a good point. All the celestial stat blocks, I kept the flying speed in them. Ideally, if you're a fallen celestial, your wings have probably been damaged beyond usage. So you can simply choose to remove the flying speed if you want, or you can flavor the flying speed as just sort of innate now from blood magic. Uh, he has a short-range teleport as a legendary action. He has the Rage of the Past, where he kind of grows crazy for a second and deals a lot of uh, fire damage and necrotic damage in a radius around him. And then he has his Blinding Gaze. One of his eyes has been just clawed and turned to smoke, essentially, and he has it bandaged over. And he can remove that bandage and basically cause someone to be permanently blinded. Yep. Yeah. It's cool. I, he's he's fucking dope as shit. <laughs> you yeah, are you even uh, Visago is my G, dude. Visago is my man. Your homie G. He is my homie. What would you pick? Um I'm I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm gonna choose our uh CR one fourth. Our my bloater. <laughs> the bloater the is bloater. so cool. It's it's a little bit of a chonkier zombie. Uh, still has like pretty low stats and across the board. Eight AC. Eight AC. Twenty eight hit points. Uh, he's meant to be killed. He's meant to be killed. These zombies come from uh, uh, being left in a swamp or a bog, and a necromancer might raise them as basically a defensive perimeter mine. So uh, when they are engorged. When the bloater is reduced to zero hit points, all creatures within a 10-foot radius must make a DC 15 dex save or take uh, 64 force damage, be knocked 10 feet away, and prone. On a successful save, they take half as much and are pushed 10 feet away but are not knocked prone. Now, maybe we should have made this a bit of a higher CR. 
64 is a fair amount, but it's D-Force. It's D-Force, so it's probably fine. But, I mean, you know, there's also that I... He can also blow himself up early. Yeah, the the detonate (laughs) reaction, which I love, is when it is reduced to less than half of its hit points, 14, it may immediately move up to half its speed and reduce itself to zero hit points, activating the engorged effect. That's fucked, man. That's awesome. That's that's just kamikaze zombie. It's so cool. Uh, I'll also give a shout out to the Giran Avern Wild stat block, which is a, a dumbed down version of uh, Giran's Blood Hunter that he played in our home campaign. And of course, one final shout out to uh, Michaela and Iris, the Mad Countess. Uh, basically, a vampire stat block with some removing of more detrimental vampire things. You're not going to be able to kill her with Daylight Spell. I mean, you might. But the daylight in and of itself isn't going to kill her. Daylight comes, and you want to go she, home. She's got some innate spell casting. Uh, she's got some changes to her multi-attacks and the various kinds of attacks she can do in her, vamp- in her vampire gaze and all that kind of stuff. Your classic vampire, but with some twists, courtesy of Nick Makes Magic. And with that, we get to the end of this Blood Magic supplement. It is... 34 pages of content that we have numbered, mm-hmm. 38 total. And uh, one last time, it is $4.99 on DriveThruRPG. Um, we will probably be doing a discount in the near future, not in the near future, but in the future eventually, mm-hmm. adding it to like site-wide sales. We're working on the logistics of figuring out discount codes that we can give to people that see us at like Gen Con. Um, there is a discount code in the Discord server. If you join the Discord server and you go to the, I want to make sure I get this right. If you go to the announcements channel, uh, one of the pinned ones there is announcing the winners of our giveaway as well as a link to purchase it at a 20% discount. So it would be $3.99 instead of $4.99. You can also get a free preview pack on our drive-thru RPG as well. It is a blood magic preview pack, as previously stated. It includes one of the magic items. It includes one of the stat blocks, which is the Silver Star Fanatic. It includes additional options for the curse mark, as we discussed. And it also includes a new spell and a new feat that we didn't include in the pack because we came up with the ideas way too late. (laughs) Oh, I'm good. That's me. The cat. I was more worried about hurting the cat than your foot. Fair enough. Uh, we're about at, we're about in an hour forty, hour forty five at this point. So what we got for questions? We're gonna we're gonna blaze through this. Uh, not as active today, but that's all right. Uh, Mighty Alexander XX says hello, good and alive. He shouted that. Oh, uh, hello. He also says have zero books, but someday flex. Flex indeed, sir. LOL. How or do you guys? Man. I don't uh, know who. Uh, LOL. How do you guys do your voices? Our uh, voices. We <laughs> like, speak. We speak. Or, like, D&D voices. I don't know. Not uh, I, I talk to myself in the car, and I try and emulate characters that I've read, or not read, listened that to. I've listened to, played in vi- played video games that you've heard, or movies or TV shows, try and emulate them. Emulate them. Emulate. And uh, inevitably, you'll fail, mm-hmm. but you'll be able to figure out the bounds of your own tones. Yeah, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. 100%. Um, as, er, as as mentioned earlier, uh, Calm for Strom, Storm, uh, why is there a dice tray in the cat bed? We established it. She only lays in the dice bed or in the dice tray, not in the bed. So we put the dice tray in the cat bed so she would lay in her bed. And now she just uses the dice tray as her bed. Chris Chorus, 2292, says cute cat. She's very cute. 
though she was a bit rambunctious today. She she made me bled. Yes. She appropriate she, bled, for she the, bled me. <laughs> appropriate for the topic. Very appropriate. Uh, guess who jumped into our chat earlier today? It was Papa Lycan. Papa himself. Uh, we uh, love Papa Lycan. Love a Papa. Um, he's basically our own dad, though we've never he, met him. I, w- I would like to consider the Papa our our father. Who art in heaven? No. Oh, okay. No. Who are who are no, in no, 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 no. Papa? Where do you live? I think he who art who art in the internet. Uh, but he he is my he he is not my birth father. I love my birth father. He is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love uh, David. You're not watching. You don't have a TikTok. <laughs> but I love I love I love my father very much. Me too. I love. But um, I don't love you. I would 100 percent choose uh, Mr. Lichen as my father over. <laughs> He is our spiritual father in the TikTok arena of D&D TikTok creators. I don't know why saying Mr. Lycan just, like, got me. Uh, uh, anyway, Papa Lycan says, uh, and again, he shouted this all back up. Click, clank, here comes the tank, baby. Click, clank, here comes the tank, indeed. All right. Uh, ooh. Argyle, Argyle Gargoyle says... Argyle Gargoyle. That's a great username. That's a great username. I can't wait to feed wizard brains to uh, cosmic horrors to do, uh, go to vis, uh, visit Disney characters. Yummy, yummy. Oh, spell in reference jammers. to spell jammers. Yeah, yep. very nice. Uh, Super Beaster says cat, cat, cat. Uh, <laughs> next up, Obey Darius says, how's y'all's days? Day, I'm illiterate. You're not illiterate. Fucking tired. <laughs> I'm Okay. Thanks for asking, Darius. It's been a long, it's been a long two weeks. Hopefully you're having a good day as well. I've worked every day and this was my day off and I was coaching and moving heavy boxes and cleaning up a mess I made. It was just, it's been a day. It's been a day. Um, Lilab027 says, Taldori Reborn, worth the buy? Question mark? Yes. Yes. It is, as a book, like just as a book, the quality of it, like the printing quality, the art, the cardstock, mm. the everything is beautiful. And if you if you have the original Taldori campaign setting, eh, it's a, it's like 90% overlap. But there's a lot of great stuff in this book. Yeah. If you don't have it yet and you want to and you love CR, uh, yeah, go for it. It is also just a great display piece. It looks so good. It just I mean, looks nice. Yeah, it just looks beautiful. Like, this is a great book. Oh, um, for if you're running call, if you're big Critical Role fans at your table, and you're gonna run Call of the Nether Deep, and you have Wild Mount, and you have Taldori Reborn, you've got Exandria covered. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, obviously not Isilra and Marquette and the Shattered Teeth and blah 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 blah, but. We're for our Nether Deep. We got some characters that are pulling some inspiration from Taldari Reborn options. So uh, they say, "Nah, I don't have the original. Only the Explorer's Guide. Explorer's Guide is also a, a very good book. Oh, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Look, we're Critical Role fans, so we're biased. I think Explorer's Guide to Wildmount is the best written official D and D campaign setting, just from a usability standpoint." And what it provides. It, Matt Mercer has talked about how he went way overboard with this book, and it shows. You've got a beautiful map included in it. It's the Gazetteer, the factions, the breakdown of the Pantheon, the unique magic items and feats and backgrounds and options that are that are loca- that are setting exclusive. The fact that you have four 
level one to three adventures set in Wildmount that you can just immediately run. The Wildmount book is my favorite campaign setting. My second favorite being Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos. <laughs> he says, because it's an adventure module. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Advertises whoa, a campaign whoa, setting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Lois, this is not my Batman glass. It's not my Batman glass. I need my Batman glass, <laughs> and I need a shot before I go to bed. That's a joke. I don't drink before I go to bed. Good. I could. I'm not going to. I'm really tired. Well, that is, uh, that's all we've got in the chat right now. We were, we were going to play Apex after this. I'm going to bed. You go to bed. We're putting this away, and I'm going to bed. <laughs> this has been episode 14 of the Dungeon Bros podcast. A bit more self-indulgent than our normal fare. We'll get back to your regularly scheduled nonsense in two weeks' time. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok if you don't already. That's probably where you found us, where 17.7 thousand of you do as of the recording of this, which is amazing. Uh, we have a over a hundred of you that are subscribed to us on YouTube where you can find this podcast as well as podcast services around the globe. And we are working on some YouTube exclusive proper YouTube videos. I've got an exciting one that I've been meaning to work on, but again, I have worked it's 11. Been a, it's been a week. I have worked 11 days in a row. <sighs> uh, you we, can also follow us on Twitter, uh, Instagram and, and Instagram. Now, uh, Twitter is at uh, dungeon bros. YT Instagram is dungeon dot bros. Uh, uh, that's mildly annoying, but it is what it is. Yeah, they're weird. Uh, Instagram pays creators better than TikTok. So we're slowly getting our all. We're moving a lot of our content. Not, we'll still be on TikTok. We're not leaving TikTok. Don't worry. But we'll be also on Instagram. And of course, you can always join the Discord. Always join the Discord. Link for that is in the bio, as well as the link to our Drive Through RPG, where you can buy the Blood Magic supplement that we were talking about, or download any of the free homebrew options that we release for you every single month. We're going to Gen Con. Yeah, we'll talk more about that when we get closer. Anything? Uh, yeah. We don't know what we'll talk about in two weeks. But we'll uh, talk. We'll talk uh, there'll be something probably. The man who lives under our bed just sent us uh, employment letters, so That's I guess great. we work for him now. That's really good. Um, I need. I need. I need something. I need another job. Yeah. Really. Unfortunately, he's paying us nothing, and we're just continuing to do this. Yeah. He. Wait. He's not paying you. No. Wait. He... Well. Okay. He's paying me, but it's not in redeemable currency on this mortal plane. He said. Yeah. He gave me a pouch that had some weird metal in it that I don't recognize from anything, and I don't think it's tenured currency in any of the known nations of the world. I mean, it might work in like Atlantis. Oh. That might be where it's from. Maybe. Is he a mermaid? I've never seen. I've never seen him from below the ribcage. Yeah. No. I. I don't know. The. I'm also unaware on how he got mail access since he lives under our beds yeah he doesn't leave he also has gills yeah <laughs> we don't live underwater <laughs> we live in kentucky <laughs> i'm leaving all right this is quickly falling apart thank you ladies and gentlemen on uh, on the on the tiktok live and, and, and uh, in the recording peace out